You'd be amazed at how many adult children are still living at home. Now, it's my opinion that the root cause is a lack of self-esteem. Oh, Oprah talks about that all the time. Oprah don't know crap. Heck, when I was growing up, nobody had self-esteem and we turned out fine. You're a rock, Al. You make me a better woman. Look, many young men who should be able to move out simply can't. It's called failure to launch, and that's where I come in. Young men develop self-esteem best during a romantic relationship, so I simulate one. We have a memorable meeting. We get to know each other over a few casual meals. He helps me through an emotional crisis. Then I meet his friends, if he has any. Uh, then I let him teach me something. But the bottom line is, he bonds with me. He lets go of you. He moves out. But how do you make sure that he'll fall in love with you? You look nice, you find out what they like, and then you pretend to like it too. That is pretty much how it works. <laughs> Hey everybody, I'm Joel Murphy. And I'm Andy McIntyre. And this is Silver Linings Playback, the podcast where we watch maligned movies and we find their silver lining. And we are continuing Makana Buary. Is that what we're going to call it? I hope not. Is that the best <laughs> that we got? <laughs> uh... Ram McConaughey month. <laughs> There's no good answer to that. Um, no. It's February. We're doing rom-coms starring the one and only Matthew McConaughey. And this week we are taking a look at uh, Failure to Launch. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> and, we are. Uh, yeah, it's... Uh, woof is all I got to say. Yeah, so let's... Okay, let's just dive right in. Because I let's, I let's go there. I have feelings. Okay, so first of all, this movie is such a boomer fantasy. Can we start there? Oh, 100%. <laughs> so this movie I... takes place in 2006. And the idea is that all of these characters, Matthew McConaughey, uh, uh, <laughs> Justin Bartha, uh, Patton Oswalt. Bradley Cooper. Bradley Cooper. They all live at home. In 2006, because they have, as the clip that we just played uh, suggests, they have failed to launch. They they could leave the home, but they don't want to. Uh, this, of course, ignores, you know, the recession that was already happening, the looming financial crisis that's about two years away at the time. Well, I would say in 06... There's no reason someone like McConaughey's character who has a decent job wouldn't own six houses and not be able to afford them. Well, yeah. I mean, if he had some subprime mortgages that he would like if him and all his friends were just buying. But it's just it's absolutely wild to me. This idea of a movie where uh, adults in their 30s are still living with their parents and never once are is money discussed as a factor as to why people might still be living at home. Yeah, 100%. That it's just understood that they could if only they lacked the motivation. Like like I said, it's just a very boomer fantasy that it ignores stagnant wages and the fact that, like, you know, entire generations that have cropped up, you know, in the past 20 some years have not had any economic, you know, upward mobility. And in fact, we're still debating 
you know, if the minimum rage should be like made anything that is even close to something someone could live off of. So all of that just had to get that out of my system right from the start. That, that's the, that's literally the tip of the iceberg with what's wrong with this movie. It is. But I wasn't going to dive into the premise without pushing back upon the very idea that this movie is built upon, which is that everyone who lives with their parents does so because they're lazy and entitled and not because it, they have to financially. Right. And that there are so many people that are living with their parents solely because they're lazy and entitled that a woman could develop a whole industry of being a prostitute. Yes. Oh, which we're definitely going to talk about the fact that she's a sex worker, like for sure. Uh, yeah. Because that is so. Okay, let's go. So now that we teed up, we, we got that out of the way, the boomer part. So let's let's focus on this part. So just to be clear, I mean the the clip kind of set it up. But so the idea is Matthew McConaughey is Matthew McConaughey. Like I think he's as as with all of his best performances, he's just playing himself. I I believe, but he he he's thirty five. Yeah, this is the second movie that we're watching this month where he plays um, a carefree so-and-so that lives life on a boat. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's true. There's a fair amount of overlap with this in Fool's Gold in terms Two of... Two out of three so far. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, he... Yeah, so he's 35. He lives with his parents who are Kathy Bates and Terry Bradshaw. Perfect casting. Yeah, not to be confused with I, Car Carrie Bradshaw, who is Sarah Jessica Parker's character, Parker. who she is in this movie. But you know, just so we're clear on that. Because I'm going to toss this out there: if Kathy Bates and Terry Bradshaw had a child, eighty percent chance that kid's Matthew McConaughey anyway. Yeah, no, for sure. That that tracks totally. Uh, okay, so yeah, so he's 35. He lives with his parents. He is a boat broker i believe is his profession yes, that he sells boats <laughs> you know again typical everyone who lives at home and their parents with in 2006 they their job is that they sell boats it's which boats are ex the type of boats he was selling you know big sailboats yachts things like that those are expensive and probably carry a hefty commission so if he was at all good at his job which it seems like he was um he probably did all right. Yeah. Well, again, it seems like finances are not an issue for any of the characters in this movie. So so there's that. So then his parents, because they find out that Stephen Tobolowsky is just plowing his wife nonstop, uh, they decide, I want in on that. <laughs> not <laughs> After not they to got plow their his... kid to move out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they, so basically, I... Tobolowsky and his wife are so happy because their kid moved out and, and they're getting tattoos and day drinking and talking about all the sex they're having. So then Terry Bradshaw and Kathy Bates are like, whoa, how did you do it? And he's like, I hired this sex worker to get him to, to leave the nest. So they're like, okay, cool. So that's, um, yeah. I feel like we do have to say, just to make it clear, sex work is real work. Sex workers deserve rights. Um, but at the same time, like, own your job. Say yeah. what you are. Well, I mean, that's so just to be clear. So what she does is offers a girlfriend experience to uh, anyone whose parents pay the money. And then in McConaughey's case, has sex with him uh, all in order. So I also let's just like let's try to understand because I really struggled with this. So the logic is these people are at home. They're I don't know. They're just idling. So 
she shows up and pretends to be interested in them. I I feel like this movie just waves its hand at what is supposed what is the end game? Cuz like presumably she breaks up with them at she the then, end and then essentially would break their heart and I guess she's trusting inertia that since they've already moved out they're not going to move back home. Yeah, that I guess like once they're in their own apartment then she pulls the ripcord and is like, "Oh, I think we should break up," but then they're already in their own apartment so they stay. It seems they have a weird. Lease? It seems weird. Yeah, I I don't. Yeah, they. She just makes sure they get unbreakable leases, and then. But no, I mean, and we'll we'll probably get into more of this later. But McConaughey at the end kind of brings up the idea of wondering how many guys she's done this to, and if there is in fact a support group for these men who have been traumatized by her and their parents. Uh, but yeah, it's a bad pitch. Like it's just, and also. The, to further complicate what's going on in this movie, he we we learn that in fact the reason that he has not launched is because his fiance died unexpectedly, yeah. and nobody is dealing with his trauma. He doesn't talk about it. His parents never bring it up. It's only because Bradley Cooper tells Sarah Jessica Parker about this that. We even find it out, but like no one's addressing the underlying trauma. His parents are, in fact, ignored. It, it's been, I think, six years since that yeah, happened. It, and it yeah. seems like he had launched and then after this tragedy, went home seeking solace, which I think is a reasonable thing to do. Yeah. Um, His mom clearly enables him. Yes. Well, and like very it, clearly. The movie kind of one of the issues with the the film, I actually think it would have worked better if it had really committed to the idea. But the movie can't. It seems unclear how it fe- like Kathy Bates at the end says that she doesn't want him to go. But in the beginning, it seems very into the idea of him leaving. But I actually think it would have worked better if they had just stayed with the idea that she she would be fine if he lived there forever. And in fact, doesn't want him to go. And Terry Bradshaw is actually the one who wants to get him out of the house. But like, yeah, it kind of wants it both ways where early on they're both very enthusiastic about this. But then as we approach the end of the movie, she's really reluctant. But also, like you said, she's totally enabling. Even you know. even if they had um, made the argument that she's like, I don't want him to move out, but I, I see that it's the right thing to do for him. Yes. Even if they had played that angle, that would have made a lot more sense. But it's honestly the way the writing works. She just swings back and forth. In some scenes, she's super into it. And in other scenes, uh, she is against it. So um, like all of that's kind of muddled because I actually thought, you know, maybe this would come up in the Silver Linings portion. But I I thought it was kind of sweet, the conversation that she has with him when he does get ready to move out. But it also felt unearned because... It wasn't really established earlier that these there was no hint at like because she basically says, I'm afraid for you to leave because I'm afraid for it just to be me and your father. And that like, well, we won't be in love with each other or like we'll find out that our relationship doesn't work if you're not here. But none of that is really hinted at or foreshadowed in any way before that conversation. Right. And there's so much wrong with everything about this movie, just from a plot and reality standpoint that like Matthew McConaughey's character is, is portrayed as if nothing else, a reasonable and well-adjusted person who just lives with his parents. Yes. Um, that 
and that I think that had his parents come to him and said, listen, son, we think that it'd be in everyone's best interest for you to move out on your own. I think you're ready. I think he may pu- he may have pushed back, but he probably would have listened to reason. Or he wouldn't have because uh, felonies are what actually convince him that it's the right move. So. Yeah, which we should definitely, I guess, get into like the end of this movie should have been him le- leaving his house and abandoning his friends because they all <laughs> completely they kidnap him, tie him to a chair and then secretly film him and broadcast it to an entire coffee shop and all watch him without his knowledge and then it's it's implied that like he and Sarah Jessica Parker actually start fooling around and we see his parents who are at their house watching on a one feed go like, whoa, OK. But like it doesn't cut back to the coffee shop. So it's unclear whether everyone in there just kept watching. They absolutely did. Yeah. I mean, I'm saying that because they definitely did. So that's clear. I also... Maybe this is the time to bring this up because I just want to get this on the record. Is this a prequel to The Hangover? Because, like, did McConaughey bail on his friends, Justin Bartha? And and then they also, you know, um, him and Bradley Cooper, after losing McConaughey, they then befriend Ed Helms to replace him as the third member of the group. And then obviously, uh, when things don't work out with Zoe Deschanel... And he starts dating um, whoever it is that he marries in The Hangover. Like, her brother, it, that's when we get uh, Zach, Zach Galifianakis. But yeah, I assumed that, right? That this is this is obviously the same. Because, and I can back this up when we get to our next point that we should talk about, which is the way that animals function in this movie. Yeah. Um... Yeah. <laughs> Definitely a hangover prequel. That I think that goes without saying. Um, and then, yeah, I guess let's talk about the animals and let's the fact go, that Matthew let's McConaughey go, should have died twice. Yes. Well, let's go beat by beat because I don't I don't want to lose any of these because these are I think these are all important to have Definitely. on the record. So for sure. First of all. The bros, the three bros get together for a little nature hike, you know, with the boys. Yeah. So they're they're up in the hills with the boys. They see a little baby chipmunk. Bradley Cooper uh, decides to to feed the chipmunk. McConaughey says, I went in on this action. So he he takes like a some kind of like power bar or like, you know, some sort of granola, granola, something that he has. He goes to feed. Also, this is a baby chipmunk that will allow you to hand feed it, which, okay, sure. You know, in the wild, like not, not someone's pet. It is not wild. at a public park, like in the middle of the woods. In the middle of the woods, it just hangs out with them and eats food from their hands. But then it does that when Bradley Cooper feeds it. But then when McConaughey tries, it latches onto his finger and like really bites his hand really hard. And he's shaking his hand trying to get the the chipmunk loose well and then the next time we see him his hand is heavily bandaged so that's one uh two is uh the boys you know another day out this time they're out in the water they're sitting on some catch some waves they're trying to catch waves but there's no waves to be caught and and then dolphins show up and again these are dolphins in the ocean that come right up to them and hang out McConaughey, I believe, tries to ride one of them because he's like, well, we can't ride 
the waves because there are none. So we'll ride a dolphin, which feels both ridiculous and like something Matthew McConaughey would do in real life. Yes. So, so then the dolphin attacks him. Pulls him underwater. Pulls him underwater. I, yeah. I don't know if you, dear listeners, know much about dolphins, but they are pretty high on the food chain as aggressive predators. Yes. Yeah. And um, they have drowned people before. <laughs> yeah. And have very sharp teeth. Yes. That, uh, and Matthew McConaughey several times after that is shown wearing shorts with no bite marks, no injuries. Yeah. He completely no sells the dolphin attack, um, <laughs> which would have probably killed him. Yes. Maybe? Yeah. So is this is this what you're counting? Because I know one of the all times he this, that died. that was one where he. So this is the first died. time he should have died. I yes. I tend to agree that he he probably should have died then or could have not maybe should but could have died. could have could have yeah. died. Well, and also his friends are not really helping him, which is foreshadowing for later in the movie for sure. That they're uh, they're friends by circumstance, not by any actual care or love for each other. Right. So, uh, because Joel, if you were, uh, if we were out surfing as we often do when we get mm-hmm. together and yeah. you were attacked by a dolphin, I would do whatever I could. Yeah. I would punch that dolphin stop. in the face to save you. And that's my promise to you and to all I, of my I friends. will kick a dolphin wherever it needs to be kicked to un- unlatch from your limbs. I'm just, look, dolphins, if you're listening to this, don't and think we know you beca- are. Yeah. And don't think just because everybody thinks you're cute and playful that your shit is going to work with us. You come at my boy, you're getting punched in the face, dolphin. You come at my boy, you are getting kicked <laughs> somewhere. It's going to hurt. Yeah. I'm going to tell you, I got strong. I I bike a lot. Yeah. So I have strong legs. Yeah. Take that. You don't want this. You don't want you don't want Andy's Peloton legs coming at you. <laughs> you do want do not want Joel Hands of Stone Murphy socking you in the jaw. I'm going to tell you that right now. Yeah. You don't want it. Yeah. So just be on notice the whole pod yeah the whole pod yeah yeah and that goes for the other shows on the peak sloth network you come at any of them you come at us it's it's on and look this extends i'm not just talking about the ones in the ocean if dan marino attacks one of my friends i'm punching him in the face too just know that it's that simple (laughs) okay so, the third one is <laughs> does not involve McConaughey, surprisingly, because there's an entire subplot where Zoe Deschanel uh, is haunted <laughs> by a mockingbird that lives outside her apartment, and she wants this thing dead. She goes uh, to Rob Corddry to buy a shotgun. <laughs> And Rob Cordry, not playing himself, actually playing a clerk yeah. at a Bass Pro Shop slash Dick's Sporting Goods slash Walmart, whatever. Yeah. And she wants a shotgun and one shell, which uh, he understandably is concerned about. And then she explains that uh, he that she actually wants to kill a mockingbird. And then he references the book to kill a mockingbird, which... I this led me to text you is every character in this movie the dumb character because she was like is that a how to manual can I get that too 
which I was like, wow, we're we're really playing, you know, and they talk about we, you and I both do improv. They talk about playing to the height of a character's intelligence. This very much felt like everyone was playing to the depths of their intelligence <laughs> throughout this movie. But anyway, she she wants to murder the Mockingbird until she, Justin Bartha in an entire other subplot discovers what Sarah Jessica Parker is doing. And instead of telling his boy about it. He uses that to blackmail and her into making Zoe Deschanel date him. And on their date, he brings a BB gun to take out this mockingbird. And so they shoot the mockingbird with a BB gun. It's injured. And then in a complete 180, she's horrified by this. I don't know what immediately she immediately has remorse. Yeah, I don't know what she would have done if she had gotten the shotgun. <laughs> but then he gives the bird CPR. Like mouth to mouth and chest compressions. And then the bird comes back to life and then flies around and attacks them in their apartment. Yeah. And then we get to the last one, which is definitely when McConaughey should have died. Oh, for sure. Which is he's rock climbing. Uh, him and Bradley Cooper are rock climbing. Justin Bartha, because he's the loser of the group, is at the bottom and he's, he's the nerd. He's the nerd. He's like holding the ropes for them. He gets distracted and he's like trying he to really want some, some power aid. Yeah. So he's like trying to get that. He's not paying any attention. And then a lizard bites McConaughey's hand. He falls from the top of this. I think they say it's 40 feet. He falls 40 feet and hits the ground hard. After bouncing off of the cliff face. Yeah, he hits the cliff face on the way down, then lands on the ground. So 40 feet drop, hits the side of the cliff, then slams down. He, he wakes up to both of these alleged friends of his uh, standing over him, and they immediately gaslight him <laughs> and start telling him how it was his fault that this happened, even though the guy who was supposed to keep him alive uh, wasn't paying attention and then he also like brings up, he's like, you've never even asked me how things are going with my girlfriend. And at this point, he knows about uh, what's going on. So he was like, you used the, like you blackmailed the, instead of telling me what was going on, you, and now you want me to like ask about the girl. It was like, so they're like gaslighting him totally and like not taking any accountability for him almost dying. Also, very strangely, uh, Bradley Cooper is able to identify the exact lizard species that bit him which makes no sense because there's no way he could have seen it bite him because it was like in a crevice and right. they weren't near each other and and he was unconscious so there's no way he would have known what happened based on the way the scene is presented unless mcconaughey told him but he seems aware which makes you think right. they were trying to kill him there's a decent chance they were trying to kill him because maybe that was uh kathy bates and terry bradshaw's backup plan yeah. That will just murder him if he won't move out, and that's just as good. Yeah. I mean, yeah. don't forget Kathy Bates was in misery, so right. she's she's capable of anything. Yeah. And that's the other thing, is like they clearly established that Bradley Cooper's character, uh Demo is his name. Mm-hmm. Demo and Ace that... are the boys. Yes. Yeah. Uh and Ace because he had an undescended testicle. That is actually his explanation for yes. where that nickname came from. Yep. And then um, is McConaughey Trip? Yeah, but that yeah. might be his name. Yes. Uh, anyways, 
but they it's clearly established that Bradley Cooper's character is the hot but dumb one. Yes, it, but they're all dumb at various points. Because right, none of them are smart. But like, it, yeah, if but, you had to assign one of them as the dumb one, it's it's Bradley Cooper. Yes, and because Bartha uh, again, he his thing is that he's just the uncoordinated dumb one. He's dumb for sure, but like he's just constantly when they go paintballing, he's just a bad mess. at it. Yeah, he's yeah. bad at it. He he gets shot in the foot, you know, by his own team, and he's like tripping over the equipment and and such. When they're surfing, he's like got the life preserver, all the all the gear. Yeah. Um. Even though technically your surfboard is your personal flotation device, but you know whatever. Right. Whatever. Um. If that's where this movie has so much more wrong with it to nitpick that nonsense. Um, oh well. Also, then at the end, after his family and friends kidnap him and watch him have sex on camera. Uh, he does reconcile with Sarah Jessica Parker, who tries one last time to kill him by knocking him off of the boat that he buys, at which point more dolphins come up to him, but they save him this time. They're his friends now. Right. Yeah, I just didn't yeah. want to leave that out. He's he because according to Bradley Cooper, nature is angry at him <laughs> because he's out of whack with his self, even though both. It is also said that uh, Justin Bartha and Bradley Cooper are both also living with their parents. But Justin Bartha owns the house that he and his mom are living in. And at the very last minute, they decide that Bradley Cooper is a wanderer, which is, again, not hinted at at any point before not that. At any, yeah, that he's a free spirit, a, a, a leaf on the wind. Yeah. So that's his deal. <laughs> um, and he's like, he's world traveling in the end. <laughs> randomly uh yeah so there's all of that um we do we do we cover all the, the 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 plot nonsense yeah probably i did i just want to since we're still in the maligning portion i did write down that sarah jessica parker said the line of dialogue do you want to have fun or do you want to be with me which is really funny that that was the binary choice offered to him that clearly if he's with her, he will have no fun. Yeah. Can we talk about just zero chemistry between Matthew McConaughey and Sarah Jessica Parker? No, I mean, that's the thing is, you know, last week we did Fool's Gold and, you know, for sure, like we, we had problems. But like him and Kate Hudson, I get it. I get why they are paired together because they legit do have good chemistry. But yeah, he and Sarah Jessica Parker have no chemistry whatsoever. Just not an ounce of chemistry. No, they they really don't. And and her character's kind of terrible. Like I really did because the thing that so this I do want to mention this before we pivot. So also we haven't talked about the fact that yeah, Patton Oswald is one of her other marks and he's so he's so pathetic because he really likes Star Wars. <laughs> what know? a loser. Yeah. What's he going to do? Start a podcast sp starting with talking about Star Wars to talk about movies? Yeah, what, what's he going to do? Launch that into a successful acting slash comedy career and eventually do a Star Wars monologue that he freestyles on an episode of Parks and Rec? Ugh, the worst. Yeah, so he's a sad... And that's when Justin Bartha, he sees the two of them together and that's how he figures out what she's doing. And again, does not tell his friend, but instead he goes like, you better give me a date with Zoe Deschanel. Uh, and, and To be fair... It is Zoe Deschanel. And it's this is the 
peak Zoe Deschanel. Like this is this is a Zoe Deschanel that I love. Who's just I, I miss her a little bit because she sort of pivoted into this different phase of her career, but super sarcastic, like just snarky as hell. Yeah, snarky as hell. Just world weary. Zoe Deschanel is the absolute best. Uh, so I yeah. get it, you know. Um, <sighs> but yeah, no, I just. I wanted because, again, Tripp plays the reality of sort of calling her out on what she's doing. Again, he has a very like a, nobody in his life is even acknowledging the trauma that he's been through. Uh, it's not addressed in any way. It, what his parents did was super manipulative. What his friends did was super manipulative. Uh, and Sarah Jessica Parker's whole deal is super manipulative. And her deal is super manipulative. And he kind of calls it out. And she sort of has this of like, he's different from everyone else I've done this to. And it's like, it's really weird because she only even knows that because Bradley Cooper told her this like dark secret. So it's like, there's kind of an idea that like, well, all of these guys might have been good dudes if you had you know, bothered to get to know them instead of manipulating them. Like, I, I guess I because she offers to give his parents the money back, but I really wanted her to be more remorseful about the whole thing and stop doing it. But that was never right. implied that she was going to, like, stop doing. So presumably, like, at the end, they're together, but she's still conning other people because this is her job. So, like, she just is still making a living doing this to others. And so what? What does she do next? Right. Yeah. Oh, that's the other thing is that when her world starts crumbling because she realizes that her business is terrible and she's a garbage person, now she is considering moving back in with her parents. Irony, I guess. (laughs) Ha ha. Yeah. Also, it's explained that she does this because she dated a guy who wouldn't move out from his parents, which also makes her seem unqualified for this job, but that's fine. Yeah. Maybe she got good at it after she left that guy. I don't know. I guess. But okay. So is there anything else that we that we need to talk about at this portion or should we try to pivot? I mean, there's so much to just dunk on about this movie. Um, I'm sure while we're talking about good things, other bad things are going to come up that we're going to remember. But let's. But yeah, just as like a just as a general note, like the entire concept and execution of the movie is bad. (laughs) Yes. Just just so we're clear. The pitch is bad. The the all the animal stuff is bad. The the dynamics among everybody is off. Just just for the record. I will say I I don't think that we've talked enough about how nonsensical their plan to get them together is. Okay. Yeah. You know what? We, we probably could focus. So, so, okay. Yeah. Let's talk about this. So what, you know, this is sort of teetering on the line uh, because I'm going to go ahead and acknowledge one of the things I did like was that, so Bradley Cooper, fine. Be, Justin Bartha tells him what's going on. He, as the only person in this movie, who's like a de- even kind of decent, immediately goes to Matthew McConaughey and is like, Hey, you should know this. This is what she's doing. So McConaughey in what is my favorite scene in the whole movie makes dinner for his parents and for Sarah Jessica Parker and is toasting to what a wonderful relationship they have, how wonderful everything's going. So everyone's happy in the room. And then he's like, which is why uh, I think we should move in together, which like his parents are happy about because that would, you know, they think that that means he's going to move out. Sarah Jessica Parker's kind of stumbling 
because she doesn't know how to react to that because she can't move in with them. And then he goes, what we're going to do, we're going to renovate the upstairs and the two of us will live here. And then you guys can still live downstairs since you guys get along so well. We can all live in this house together. And then everyone's kind of sputtering. And then he goes, and then you won't have to pay her to be my girlfriend anymore. And then he storms out. <laughs> and yeah, then like, God, yeah. if credits had rolled there, that this would have been a great movie. <laughs> yes. Well, then it's kind of great, too, because like then she tries to come out to his car and she's like, wait, let me explain it. He's like, Go, get away from me. Like, no, no. There, you literally have nothing to explain to me. Yeah. So I loved all of that because that in this very weird <laughs> movie felt like the most honest thing that was portrayed. His his reactions were felt right to me. That is exactly how someone who that happened to should behave. But then bizarrely instead of doing any like personal accountability all these people in his lives go like well we have to get them together and then right. uh justin bartha the loser is like what if we send them each flowers and then they all mock him and they're like no here's what we're gonna do we're gonna kidnap both of them <laughs> and they did they drug mcconaughey because like he's tied up in the closet he's gagged and he seems unconscious when she first finds him her, they just like shove in the room and they lock the door, but he is tied to a chair, I guess, because the theory is he could have just like broken a window, like he would have forced his way out, but she's not going to because he's Terry Bradshaw's right. kid. So he would have like <laughs> muscled his way out of there. Yeah, it's and, and that's the other thing is like throughout the movie, like we've already talked about the fact that uh, Matthew McConaughey and Sarah Jessica Parker have zero chemistry. Yep. But even like. Lines on the page script wise, like he never seems head over heels for her. No, no. And in fact, he tries to break up with her at one point, which is the point that she has sex with him, which is wild because she's afraid that he's going to break up with her. So her panic move is to have sex with him because she's she's clearly into him. Yes. Like that, that I think is made pretty clear. Yes. Well, and that, uh, that feels more earned, but he pretty much the whole movie. Like he likes her. He likes her, like, he but he doesn't cool. want to get close to her. Yeah, he's he's not nothing even hate because I mean, I've seen a few Matthew McConaughey rom-coms and he, I've seen him play head over heels for the person that he's opposite. Her name is and that, he just, that didn't happen in this movie. No, it, it does, yeah, he never really sells it. And then what's weird, too, is he's tied up and she removes the gag. And then like everyone else in this movie, she immediately starts like blaming him instead. of Like she starts with like you, you're a loser and you suck. And like, this is all the stuff you did wrong without like she eventually calms down and does apologize. But her initial instinct is to continue to attack this guy who did not ask for any of this. Who's like six no. years removed from this horrible tragedy in his life and who seems to be all things considered functioning pretty well. Her immediate reaction yeah. is to just lash out at him for no reason. Yeah, his uh, his uh, fiance's son is still a part of his life. Yeah. Yeah. He's basically like mentoring slash raising this kid that is the son of like his fiance who died. And has a, like we said, a potentially very lucrative job. Like he's, he seems to be doing okay. Like it's a seemingly healthy relationship with his parents. Yeah. No, it's, it's all bizarre, you know, and a healthy relationship with his parents, even though his parents, instead of, I don't know, offering to pay for his therapy or having a direct conversation with him about moving out, uh, go to this incredibly 
deceptive and evil roundabout way of tricking him out of the house. And it works. Yeah. Well, because again, God, I, I feel like it should work because he should want to get as far away from all of these people as possible by the end. Well, right. But he, I mean, he ends up with Sarah Jessica Parker and it's. Yeah, shouldn't. which no, he they should not be together. But they like, yeah, I would have respected this movie more if they didn't end up together. Uh, but yeah, he he like somehow they reconcile. They're on a boat together. And then, like I said, it could just be the end. But she does try to kill him on the boat. Yeah, um, because and it's, if you think that I'm exaggerating, she like hits him with the sail. And then I forget the word is she's supposed to say a specific word to warn him. And she makes no attempt to have warned him until he's in the water. And then she's like, oh, I meant to say blah, blah, blah. Jive ho, I believe J- is the. Yeah, jive ho. But and also he's drowning and she's like, should I get you a life preserver? But she's really she doesn't seem very concerned. No, there's no urgency on her yeah. part. Yeah, maybe because she knew that he survived a dolphin attack, so he is maybe Aquaman. That yeah, it's possible. Like, and again, that's he, the explanation. I mean, as we said too, he fell forty feet hitting a rock wall on the way down, and wasn't even scraped up after that. Like, also, I do love you know that his friends they're after gaslighting him. Their next instinct was to pick him up and move him. Like, no concern right. for like spinal damage or. Or head trauma or, head or trauma. any of that. They just pick him right up off the ground after that. So there's a chance that maybe this movie was actually a superhero origin story. And they realized that it wasn't that good of a superhero origin story, but they had all the footage. They're like, F it, let's make a rom-com. Yeah, we'll go with that. That is, it, This is actually a sequel to Unbreakable, like more Unbreakable. Mm-hmm. Yep. That takes place in the Hangover universe. Right. For sure. The Hangover Extended Universe. Yes. Okay. So we covered all that. Uh, Yeah. We Um, we got a. So I kind of, like I said, I hinted at one silver lining in that I did really like the scene where he finds out and played the truth of what a guy would do if he found out that his parents and his seeming girlfriend had done this to him. Uh, Yeah. I like that scene quite a bit, actually. Yeah. There's, um, there's a couple of really good scenes in this movie. Uh, I actually think that the the gun purchasing scene, it, if you took it as a standalone comedy sketch, works. No, it's I think they play because that's a, a difficult tightrope to walk. But I thought they did play the comedy of that because it was played sincerely, like where from gun salesman's point of view, this is concerning. And they played it as concerning. Uh, I think rightfully so. No, I liked that. That scene did actually really make me laugh. And I, like, I thought they it, it, it works as a comedy sketch. And Zoe Deschanel plays snarky over it. Rob Cordry, like voice of reasons, the scene. He's like, you only need one. You need to give me this gun. <laughs> yeah. Well, cause she doesn't know. She doesn't know anything about guns. Like that's very clear that she's done no research on guns. She just, or wants about the first- light about one of the most famous English language books in yeah. the, the history of the world. But, but I'm saying like, just like from his concern point of view, it's a person off the street who walks in, says, give me a gun. I don't care which one and one bullet. <laughs> like that's concerning. That is, that would, if you're a responsible gun short gun store clerk, that, should be a concerning thing to ask. Uh, and I, I'll just go ahead and say, I thought Zoe Deschanel was great throughout this movie. Yes, like, I actually I really enjoyed her from start to finish. Uh, I, I never quite understood 
her exact I mean they were roommates but I never really understood what was going on with her and Sarah Jessica Parker I guess they were friends but like they're, I think they're, they were like they were roommates that became friends was my read on it but it was never like clearly stated yeah it was kind of hard to understand exactly because they didn't seem to like each other very much no they, they seemed to like barely tolerate each other yeah so maybe that maybe they did a good job of like cleaning the house and not getting in each other's way as roommates and have then thus formed a bond um yeah. But no, I, I don't know. That, oh, oh, go ahead. Well, I was gonna say. So I thought like she was really good. I thought McConaughey was good in this. McConaughey's like, charming, man. I yeah. like him. I've never disliked him in a thing. Yeah. So I thought he was good. I I gotta say, Kathy Bates and Terry Bradshaw as his parents were both really great. The scene with Terry Bradshaw having a naked room did actually sincerely make me laugh. Too. It was like, solid. He, yeah. He played that. Uh, perfectly like and i they just they seemed really parenty like in a really yeah. great way i think it's interesting that that role was originally offered to robert duvall is that true yeah that's what, according yeah. to the imbb trivia oh. very different movie with robert duvall in that role yes but no i yeah terry bradshaw like had more acting like i mean you know i used to watch him on the the fox like sports stuff and everything but like he uh he was good he's really good at acting like he's a very natural actor in this uh yeah and i they they both really worked uh so i I liked them um i think like the clip we played at the beginning uh that just showed just kathy bates nails him when she's like terry bradshaw you're my rock yeah like it's just her the delivery of that line like she's great she's always great i love kathy bates um I don't know if this counts as a silver lining, but I will say that the single most believable relationship in the whole movie is Bradley Cooper and the cute waitress. Oh, my God. I did enjoy that. Yeah. So like just when they're all watching the footage, this waitress just shows up. And first of all, she's a fascinating character because she's like when Sarah Jessica Parker is kind of really laid into McConaughey. She goes, I wish I could talk to men like that. And uh, then, like, I think someone says, well, it helps that, like, he's tied up. And she's like, oh, no, I, I've had been tied up like that before. I've had been tied up. <laughs> Which is an A-plus choice. But then, yeah, like, they kind of sell it in that, like, as they're all continuing to watch, like, her and Bradley Cooper are slowly, like, bonding more and more. And it's just sort of in the background. They don't draw a lot of attention to it. And then just the next time you see them, they're on a vacation together, like, in a safari yeah, well, like, or something. Yeah, well, like, when... Sarah Jessica Parker and Matthew McConaughey start kissing, then Zoe Deschanel and Justin Bartha start kissing, and then he just starts making out with the waitress. Yes. And I'm like, she's hot, he's hot. Yeah. Hot people tend to flock together. Like, it just made sense way more than anything else in this movie. Um, Steven Tobolowski's great. Yeah. No, I mean, yeah, Tobolowski's a great guy to play a parent who makes you uncomfortable by talking about how much he loves like having sex with his wife yeah like, just that's good casting um i assume that he's playing ned ryerson although i don't know if that's true or not isn't um, he always well that would put groundhog day in the <laughs> hangover in the universe hangover universe yeah which I would watch a Hangover movie where they had to relive the same day over and over again. That was a Hangover. That would be interesting if it was That'd the be an day after concept. If it was just the Hangover day, but yeah, they just have to relive that day over and over again. And like you know, Mike Tyson and the Tiger show up, and you know, that'd be that'd be intriguing. Mm-hmm. So I, I think it'd be more interesting than any of the other Hangover movies they made. Oh, for sure. There's yeah, no well, doubt in my um. 
Let's see any other um silver linings also we keep we we didn't really comment on the fact that bartha keeps popping up on here we, this we is can't, what number three i think it is number three for justin bartha like he he might be the leader right now i don't know if anyone's had more than three movies so far Natalie Portman has four. Oh, well, because we did all the prequels. That's we true. did all the prequels and, and Thor, Thor. The Dark World. But he's he's coming for you, Natalie. Yeah, and Justin Barth is hot on your trail. Yeah, if we Wait, do another Nick Cage month, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> I'm pretty, he might show up. Wait, what was the third <laughs> Justin Bartha movie? Oh, I, I don't know. I know that he's been in three, though. Like, that sounds Yeah, because there's something besides um, uh, National Treasure 2. Yeah. There was another one with Justin Bartha. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. Go ahead and shoot us an email if you know the answer to that one. Yeah, if you have that answer. Uh, <laughs> Hit us up on Twitter. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I, like, yeah, Bartha, once again. What, but where are we at? Do we, do we, do we silver line this playbook, playback? <laughs> not <laughs> playbook. Playback the silver lining? Not no, playbook. not playbook. That's, you, that's, that's another Bradley, Bradley Cooper, Cooper thing. Yeah. Um, Which we'll never talk about on here. No, because that was a pretty decent movie. Um, yeah. I'm trying to like No, I think I think we did it. I mean, it's uh this movie is very insulting to your intelligence as a viewer. Um a boomer fantasy, super sexist. Mm-hmm. Um hates all its characters. Oh, it definitely hates its characters. <laughs> uh but Zoe Deschanel is a ton of fun. Kathy Bates and Terry Bradshaw, I think, provide great comic relief throughout. Uh, McConaughey is acting in a much better movie than this is. Yep. Uh, this might have even been the movie. They're like, wait a minute. If we give him good scripts, mm-hmm. this maybe he'll it. do good things. So this is what launched him. So there was no failure to launch. <laughs> the failure to launch was that it wasn't a failure at all. Yeah. The real failure to launch was the friends that we made along the way. There it is. We that's if that's not the silver lining, I don't know what is. <laughs> All right, but yeah, so, no, we did it. We we for sure did it. Um, so I I think the only last thing to say is just dolphins. We're watching. We're watching. Silver Linings Playback is a production of HoboTrashCan.com. If you enjoyed the show, please rate or review it on Apple Podcasts. Hear more great shows on the Peak Sloth Podcast Network, like this one. Hey, this is Chris. And this is Joe from the Curioso Podcast. And we give our stamp of Curioso approval to the podcast that you're listening to right now. 